You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good Thursday, everybody. Welcome into Locked On Balls. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. You can visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I'm your host, Eric Kane, a radio personality in Knoxville, Tennessee, covering Tennessee football, Tennessee basketball, all day, every day. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Kaner, and be sure to follow this podcast at Locked On Falls on Twitter. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, and share. Tell all your friends about Locked On Vols, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's show, it's going to be a fun one, guys. Going to recap a 70, or excuse me, a 93-73 victory for Tennessee late, late last night. Tennessee over South Carolina, a career game from Victor Bailey Jr. We're going to get all into the ins and outs of that contest. And that'll be before we catch up with David Ubbin of The Athletic. That'll be coming up in segment number two. I teased it yesterday, so we're going to have a big guest on the show. And David Ubbin just put out a really interesting piece uh, on The Athletic about former Tennessee head coach Butch Jones. That's coming up in segment number two. And finally, in segment number three, going to just touch on the press conference from uh, Tennessee's offensive coaching staff. We got to meet all the assistant coaches on the offensive end, and Alex Golish, Glenn Ellerby, Cody Burns, Joey Halsey, uh, Jerry Mack, and of course Josh Heupel introduce all those guys as well. And so, going to dive into more of that in the coming days, but wanted to get some comments and some of my thoughts on that introductory press conference for the offensive staff. So, that is the lay of the land today. It's Locked On Vols, again, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 93-73 was the final score. Tennessee ran away from South Carolina uh, late last night in that one. Thompson Bowling Arena, it was a game where Tennessee shot incredibly well from the field. About the first 10 minutes of the game or so, not so much, only shooting about at a 38% clip, but... Tennessee heated up, uh, shot 54% overall in this ball game, had 26 assists on 32 made baskets. That is not not bad at all. Tennessee again 54% from the field, made nine of 19 three pointers. Victor Bailey Jr. a career night had seven of those nine made three made three pointers in the game and finished with again a career high of 29 points. So I mentioned on yesterday's podcast that. Uh, the kind of the story of the game was going to be who's out there. Uh, it was reported coming into the ball game that uh, two of the top four scores for uh, South Carolina were, was not going to be playing, and of course they were shorthanded as well. Uh, missed uh, really did miss some um, some firepower on Wednesday night. But I also mentioned that Tennessee wasn't going to be at full strength either. Jimmy Himes, sports animal, a colleague of mine, reported on Tuesday that Tennessee. Passed all its tests on Tuesday in terms of COVID-19, but there was going to be some players that were going to miss due to contact tracing, and we didn't know exactly who it was going to be just yet. Well, moments before tip-off, interview with Rick Barnes on the Ball Radio Network, Barnes said that Sunday's positive test involving the Tier 1 personnel, that was the result of the, of the game against South Carolina being pushed from Tuesday to Wednesday, that was actually a false positive because that one individual did test out of it. He tested clean on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And so it was deemed a false positive. And so Tennessee was actually okay from a COVID perspective. But that individual did have to test 
negative, I guess, for COVID-19 for three straight days. And of course, that last test came on game day. And so because of that, the lineup looked a little bit different. You read in between the lines here. Rick Barnes said in that interview with the Ball Radio Network before the game started that he was going to play the guys that were practicing that week. So Victor Bailey Jr. got the start. Santiago Vescovi did not start the game. Still played a lot, but didn't start the game. Josiah Jordan-James missed the game because of a wrist injury. That was not COVID-related. John Fulkerson jumped back into the starting lineup. So if you read between the lines, it looked like the member that was affected by this Tier 1 positive test, whether it was him or it was a, or that he was affected due to close contact tracing protocols, it was Santiago Vescovi. At least that's what it looks like from reading between the lines. But nonetheless, it, de- it was deemed a false positive. Tennessee's good on that front. So the biggest concern really is just Epon's uh, knee moving forward. He's got a, a messed up knee right now, but he looked fine on Wednesday. And then, of course, Josiah Jordan-James getting him back and getting him healthy moving forward. But ultimately... Tennessee played very, very well against South Carolina. You know, South Carolina made it close there about the 10, 9-minute mark of the second half, pulling within 9 to 8 points. But then Tennessee put the pedal to the metal and ran away with a 20-point victory. Um, early on, South Carolina was knocking down threes all over the court. You know, it was almost like uh, Tennessee was playing an NBA team uh, that night. But in the second half, Bailey Jr. poured it on. John Fulkerson finished with 19 points, and I thought that was really, really good for for Fulky to get back into that thing. He was he was cleaning things up. He was moving to the basket, setting picks and rolling. There was an, a nice play there right before the half where Victor Bailey Jr., who is left-handed, had a really nice, strong bounce pack to bounce pass to John Fulkerson, cutting to the basket, and was able to lay it up in. And so that was good to see from John Fulkerson. He has some mid-range. He looked like he had his confidence back. I think that's going to be big for Tennessee moving forward. So it was good to see John Fulkerson bounce back, finishing with 19 points and six rebounds and two turnovers in 30 minutes in that start. Uh, Springer finished with 16 points, had a nice little uh, runner there at the uh, at the buzzer uh, to end the first half. Four of eight shooting, really efficient from the free throw line as well, eight of eight. And so Jaden Springer looked well. Uh, e. Pons finished with 10 points, five of six from the field. Again, you talk about efficiency. Tennessee was all over the place in this one. And uh, Keon Johnson. Uh, finished with seven points. He was the only starter did not that did not finish in double figures for the Volunteers in this night, but still shot three of five from the field. So all in all, Tennessee shot very, very well from the field. And and I thought Tennessee got some good play from the bench. Of course, Vescovi came off the bench. Um, he played 29 minutes in this one, finished with eight points. Tennessee got some good minutes from Olivier Kumwa, 18 minutes off the bench. And Devontae Gaines came in and played some really nice defense there in the first half as well. So what, is, what does this mean for Tennessee? Tennessee, you know, it's it's always you know, a strong game here, having to bounce back and just inconsistent play. So here we are again. Tennessee bounces back, shows consistency, plays well against South Carolina. Can the Volunteers duplicate that on the offensive end against Kentucky on Saturday? We will have to see. But the main concern now is getting Josiah Jordan-James back in that lineup. Tennessee looks to be a in good, good shape in terms of COVID protocols after that false positive earlier in the week and see if uh, Eve Pons can continue to strengthen that knee uh, here for the stretch run. So Tennessee, an excellent night, 54% from the field again, 26 assists on 32 made baskets. The Volunteers, a 20-point victory over South Carolina at home on a late game last night, late Wednesday night. 
Tennessee will move on, and we will move on with our show. David Oven coming up in segment number two. Really excited to uh, let you guys hear some comments from uh, one of the best guys on the beat for Tennessee. That's coming up here in just a matter of moments. And uh, before we get in there, guys, remember Rock Auto. It's a family owned business serving its customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for the auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. You know, they have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, you can get everything you need and a few easy clicks that's delivery straight to your door. RockAuto.com's catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate through if you want to check that out. It's quickly, you can go through there and see the parts that are, that are available for you and your vehicle to choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Speaking of prices, that's the best part about RockAuto.com. Always, always reliably low and same for professionals or the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend twice as much when you get the same parts for a cheaper price? rockauto.com right now go go there and visit that website to see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you again locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car or truck will ever need visit my friends at rockauto.com March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so we have David Ubbin of The Athletic coming up here momentarily, but you guys know the drill this time of the podcast each and every day. Everything you guys need to know about the Tennessee Volunteers, but what about the rest of the sports world? Less time, more news. It's the Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today. It's a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from local experts. Start your day off with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. I encourage you to subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast. Want to welcome to the show David Ubbin of The Athletic, one of the uh, premier guys on the Tennessee football beats and does great work with The Athletic. I really enjoy reading his feature stories and columns that he posts weekly. And uh, one that came out a couple days ago, earlier this week, is on the time of former Tennessee head coach Butch Jones. And I want to ask you about that, David. Um, you know, thank you again for joining the show. How was that kind of reaching out to Butch Jones and kind of trying to tell his story on what exactly he learned during his time here in Knoxville as head coach of the Vols? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I was a little surprised that, that he was sort of willing to talk at length about it. Um, but, um, you know, he's been inside the Alabama bubble for three years and hasn't really been able to say much. And, you know, even since he took over at Arkansas State, you know, as soon as he kind of got out of the bubble, we started kind of pursuing that. And, um, and you know, a lot of different things going on and obviously trying to balance the playoffs and chasing a, cha a championship when he was still um, Arkansas State's coach. And now that he kind of turned the page, um, you know, I, I was interested and, and I, was, uh, I was intrigued that he was willing to do it. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, looking back, I, I think some folks felt like, 
you know, he said a lot of the same things, but I think the experience um, and his sort of um, honesty about that and, and sort of what it looks like to lose a job like Tennessee head coach and, and where you kind of go from there, I thought was really interesting. Yeah, something, and and obviously I don't want to give you know away the whole article. I encourage people to go subscribe to the Athletic and check out the, David's work. But one of the things from this uh, from this piece that really stood out to me was you know, how open he was and saying that he would lay awake at night and go over situation over situation, and if it played out differently, could that have changed his tenure? And also about how he said, you know, the juggling act of being the head man here of the Tennessee football program, you know, coaching the players, managing his staff, recruiting managing the media, managing the boosters. And he said it's been like nothing that he ever seen before. And taking those experiences now with him to Arkansas State and wherever else he goes, and that's something that's really going to help him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Tennessee is a really tough job. And, you know, he talked a little bit about just kind of the scrutiny. And, and I think certainly him, more than some coaches, it definitely got to him a little bit. And I think he, it made him change what he wanted to do and and you know he admitted it he paid too much attention to that stuff and um you know at Arkansas State you, you can it's not a pure football coach job I mean no head coach job in the FBS is it's, it's I think it's more akin to being a CEO of a Fortune 500 company than being a football coach but it's a lot different than Tennessee and going back to that and kind of leading your program I mean you're still the same guy that at Central Michigan and at Cincinnati, he won multiple uh, conference titles, and I, I expect he'll do the same at Arkansas State. Um, but I think if he, you know, if he parlays Arkansas State into a bigger job, I think it'll be really interesting, especially if he's at a place that's really a fishbowl like Tennessee was. How he handles that the second time around, um, I'm really fascinated to see what he looks like when he gets a, a second shot. Yeah, uh, me as well. And so, kind of, kind of on that note, a lot of, a lot of Tennessee fans, a lot of college football fans, were wondering. Why exactly he waited so long and then jumped on Arkansas State? I think some from your piece said that he was really enjoying the time learning and kind of getting some validation on everything he and his staff has done in previous stops, Tennessee and other places, uh, kind of validated him that they were doing it the right way. But also, you know, picking and choosing some things from Coach Saban, uh, you know, in Tuscaloosa and trying to add it to his repertoire. But nonetheless, he stayed there for, you know, three years before taking this opportunity. Now having spoken to Butch Jones um, do you, what do you think is the main reason why he still waited so long, uh, to become a next, uh, to, to be a, a head coach again? Well, I think there's plenty of cynical folks around these parts that would say he was waiting, uh, to, uh, milk all of the buyout checks out of, oh, yeah. out of Tennessee. Uh, you know, if you hear him tell it, he said he was very selective about what he wanted to do. You know, when he first got fired, um, in Tennessee, he said he had a lot of opportunities, but, you know, he said he wanted to stretch himself. Um, you know, he said he had cast players to get, com- get comfortable being uncomfortable. He wanted to do the same thing. And, and that meant going to Alabama where he'd never kind of, you know, been inside this sort of Saban vortex. And um, so that part of it, I think, you know, it's probably going to be a matter of perspective. And, you know, I'm sure at this point, you know, Tennessee fans are not going to be willing to sort of give him the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, he certainly wanted to be selective and, you know, in the end, Arkansas State's a really good job. You know, I think people underestimate how coach, when coaches are looking at jobs. They're looking at, okay, what has happened to all the rest of the people that have taken the job? That People consider that. And in Arkansas State, you know, pretty much everybody has been parlayed into bigger jobs, um, you know, and, and uh, uh, some really big jobs at times. Um, so, you know, I think that that's certainly attractive, and, and you can win there, you know, um, five conference titles there in nine seasons that's that's pretty impressive 
David Oven, The Athletic, a really nice piece on former Tennessee head coach Butch Jones earlier this week. Encourage you to go subscribe and check out David's work. Always does a nice job. Uh, before I let you go, David, I do want to ask you uh, just your thoughts on uh, Tim Banks, Tennessee's defensive coordinator hire. Of course, the co-DC from Penn State. Spent the last few seasons there. Spent time at Illinois. Spent time at uh, Cincinnati as well as Central Michigan. What did you think about Tennessee uh, ending up with uh, Tim Banks' as DC? Uh, I mean, uh, a winding road, uh, I suppose. Um, but I think stylistically it makes some sense. But I think the questions are going to be, you know, what is one, you know, the most pressing one is what does his staff look like? You know, I mean, that'll be really interesting. You know, you know Roger Garner's there, but uh, a bunch of staff to fill. Um, and then, of course, you know, without a lot of connections in Tennessee, without a lot of connections to the SEC, how does he parlay that in recruiting? You know, one of his biggest assets at Penn State was his connection to the Detroit area, and he was able to recruit a ton there. I'm not sure how much Tennessee is going to try or succeed in recruiting Detroit. So, you know, can he flip that and 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 uh, can Garner get him in the door in a lot of places and 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 kind of start that process? You know, we'll see. But that's going to be a learning experience, I'm sure, for him and and uh, a transition. David, thanks so much for the time, man. Enjoyed it, and I uh, hope to have you back on the podcast pretty soon. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, I mean it, guys. David Ubman, you talk about feature, content, unique stories. You can find it all there at The Athletic. David Ubman is uh, fantastic. He's been covering college football for quite some time, been on the Tennessee beat for a couple years. Uh, he is as uh, He's a safe bet when it comes to covering uh, this football team. And uh, another safe bet, guys, anything you want to indulge in with Bet Online AG. Tonight's slate, of course, basketball action, top 15 action, Texas on the road at Oklahoma. That's 12 against 9. You got Texas Tech at TCU, 15 against unranked. You got Alabama, 8th team in the land at Texas A&M. Houston's going to be on, on the road as well. Wisconsin hosting Iowa, Ohio State in the nightcap. So tons on the docket for college basketball. On the NBA front, the Lake Show hosting the Nets. That's going to be premier viewership right there with LeBron hosting the trio in Brooklyn. The Heat of the Kings and, of course, the Bucks trying to snap that skid against the Raptors. So much on the dial tonight, and you can play online at betonline.ag. Football might be over, but as I just laid out, so much basketball is on the docket. A real-time updated odds props on almost anything you can possibly imagine, including TV shows and reality television. BetOnline's got you covered. All the news, scores, odds, it's the best way to place your bets, and it's completely free to sign up. When you do sign up, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, promo code Locked On, 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, it's your online sportsbook experts. A final segment here to the Locked On Balls podcast, a Thursday edition, and it was a big day for Tennessee football yesterday. Josh Heupel uh, revealed his uh, offensive coaching staff in a press conference setting. Each of those assistants uh, took time to speak and answer questions uh, with the media. So I'm going to hit some highlights here uh, in segment number three of that. Of course, over the next couple of days, I'm going to dissect each coach, take some of the quotes and some of the more noteworthy things that that coach said, and we're going to break it down here on Locked on Falls. But here in segment number three, really just kind of an overview and a couple of more football notes. Uh, got, first first off, uh, I've mentioned that Pete Thamel has been all over this Tennessee beat from afar, Yahoo Sports, and he's done a really nice job. And late Wednesday night, he once again reported that Tennessee is close to finalizing a deal to bring back Willie Martinez as defensive uh, as a defensive backs coach. Um, if that is the case and that is finalized in the coming days, I would expect uh, Tim Banks and 
Willie Martinez to work together in the secondary. Of course, Banks has a, a background of coaching the the, the safeties, and um, you know maybe they could pass it along there and work together. But uh, nonetheless, Willie Martinez has coached here at Tennessee before. Coached under Butch Jones. Has coached. Uh, opposite of Josh Heupel at UCF, coaching the defense. And I think that'd be a, a solid hire for Tennessee, a guy that has Tennessee ties and knows and knows the region, knows how to recruit, and brings 14 years of SEC experience uh, to the table. So we will have to see in the coming days, or really in the coming hours most likely, if Tennessee uh, confirms that, if it's finalized. But the- Pete Thamel has not been wrong just yet. And so uh, Yahoo Sports reporter is reporting Wednesday night that Willie Martinez looks like he's headed back to Rocky Top. Another note from Wednesday is Cody Brown, four-star running back here in this 2021 class, one of the higher-rated prospects, uh, did get out of his national letter of intent. He initially tweeted early this morning at about 7.30 uh, that he is entering the transfer portal. He later came back and clarified that he had been released from his national letter of intent. Uh, good move by Tennessee, good move by Josh Heupel, the administration, everybody involved. I think uh, Dylan Brooks as well is still expressing interest in trying to get out of his national letter of intent. Um, it's unfortunate because those two players, um, you know, really right now it's only it's only Cody Brown that's been let out to our knowledge. But, you know, both of those two players were going to be big additions to this class, and I thought we're going to uh, play a lot early on as freshmen. And so uh, best of luck to them moving forward. C- certainly don't. I'm not going to criticize their decisions because I get it. You were, I mean, Dylan Brooks' case, he was called on National Signing Day, you know, by uh, by Philip Former. You know, that's that's been the talk saying that hey, Jeremy Pruitt is going to be fine. Go ahead and sign, and ultimately that was not the case. And so, um, you have been recruited, you develop relationships, you signed, and then that coach is fired. I get it. It's hard to say. I know the the old adage is that uh, you commit to the school and you uh, you don't commit to the coach but that's really just not how it is anymore it's so relationship heavy and uh, I feel for these players so best of luck to Cody Brown we'll see what's in store for Dylan Brooks but looks like he is most likely out the door as well uh, another note the recruiting in person uh, dead period has been extended through May 31st um, is expected as this pandemic continues hate it for these kids I talk to these kids on a regular basis. I talk to these kids a couple times a week, uh, doing my work, contributing for VolQuest on the rival site. And they just want to get out there, see these coaches in person, see these campuses, the facilities in person. They want to get that experience. It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. You get these five official, official visits, and because of this pandemic, it's not going to happen um, in the way that it should. And so right now, the recruiting dead period has been pushed through May 31st. I hope Hope, hope that that will be the end of it um, because I really do hate it for these kids. So a couple of notes there, but let's get into some of the highlights of this offensive coaching staff's introductory press conference. If you follow me on Twitter at underscore Kane or I tweet, I was live tweeting the entire press conference. And so some pretty good quotes there. And again, in the coming days, we'll break down each coach, uh, some of the more noteworthy things that they said and how that's going to apply to the Tennessee football roster. But today's more really just an overview. Uh, first, let me uh, let me play a clip here. This is from Josh Heupel. He kind of kicked things off and uh, kind of what he said about his offensive staff and uh, what they're going to bring to the table. Uh, guys that are energetic, passionate, uh, they're great teachers of the game. More importantly, they're going to invest in our young people off the field. Uh, I really do believe if you take that perspective, uh, you're going to win-win. You're going to win off the field and you're going to win on the field as well. Uh, a group of guys that, that uh, some of them uh, I've been with here the, the last uh, couple of years and some of them that, uh, that are new to, to what we're doing offensively but uh, bring in a great background, both on the recruiting side of it and the development of, of players as well. 
Again, that's Josh Heupel uh, kicking off a press conference with his offensive staff, um, just kind of giving an overview of what these guys are going to look like. Of course, he went into more detail about every coach, and we'll hit on that later on in future podcasts. But that was from Josh Heupel. Uh, real quick, as we end our show, I'm going to just go through uh, some of the highlights, give you a couple of thoughts on what I thought from each of these coaches first. Uh, offensive coordinator, tight ends coach Alex Golish. He's a guy that's very polished. He is fired up to be here in Knoxville. He said that a couple of times. Um, he's experienced. He's come from different uh, landscapes, come from different places, but he's worked a lot with uh, Josh Heupel and thinks the world of him, wants to be involved with Josh Heupel and continue to learn with Josh Heupel. Said an interesting thing about the tight end, saying that uh, tight ends in their offense are usually adaptive, um, multiple. Sometimes they play on the line. Sometimes they split out wide. It's really about what you have in the locker room, and so he's excited to work with the three guys that are returning, at least on scholarship, that have seen playing time in Preston Fant, in Austin Pope, and in um, in Warren as well. And so Alex Golish kicked things off, talked for 22 minutes, and said a lot of good things. We'll discuss more about that in future episodes. Offensive line coach Glenn Ellerby, the thing I took away from that is he is an offensive line dude. <laughs> he talking about bonding uh, with the offensive line and, and, and really just kind of going through it. Uh, the main takeaway, and I can back this up in talking with prospects on the recruiting trail the last week that he's been on the job, the main takeaway I took away from Glenn Ellerby today is that it's more or less you've got to be smart. They're looking for smart offensive linemen because this up-tempo offense uh, you got to be able to quickly process things on the move. And so uh, that was a big takeaway from Glenn Ellerby. Also, I liked how he said, the question was asked, you know, have you gone back and watched film of these guys that are returning from, from this past year? And he said, yeah, I have, but it's not fair for me to coach them up on that scheme. I wasn't here. You know, I, I wasn't coaching these guys. So uh, really, you know, moving forward, this is the way I took it from his comments that it's a brand new slate. Um, it's a new coaching staff. It's a new opportunity, and uh, they're ready to get to work. Wide receivers coach Cody Burns, a younger guy. Of course, he spent time on Gus Malzahn's staff at Auburn the last couple of years, and um, he's, he said that you know ball skills, being able to catch the football, is the number one thing he looks for in a wide receiver. And uh, you might roll your eyes and say, well, yeah, duh, it's a wide receiver, but nonetheless, you can, you're going to get contested you know, catch opportunities in this league because you're going up against some of the best cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers that are going to be playing on Sundays. And the ability to catch the football speed and also side-to-side laterally, able to change directions, uh, some things that he likes. I think that he's an energy guy, a passionate guy, and I think that he's going to be able to recruit very well for Tennessee, having been in this SEC footprint each of the last five seasons. Quarterbacks coach Joey Halsey. Halsey. The quote you're going to say, he was at, the quote you're going to remember from Wednesday, he was asked, is this a quarterback-friendly system? Uh, Halsey replied, it is a, a quarterback-friendly system in terms of letting the quarterback rip it. We're going to go out there and turn them loose, and they're going to go out and play ball on Saturdays. He said that he has analyzed every single throw from every quarterback on campus right now from the 2020 season. There is not a solidified starter at the moment, but he is ready to get to work. And so that's that's uh, my main takeaway from Joey Halsey. And finally, Jerry Mack, running backs coach, former offensive coordinator at Rice, former head coach at North Carolina Central. I was really, really impressed with him. He brings a different perspective, some diversity to the uh, to the offensive coaching staff in terms of he's coaching a pro style, he's coaching a spread, he's coached uh, different positions. He's going to bring a different line of thinking to this coaching staff that primarily, at least on the offensive end, has been 
together for a long time, you know, under Josh Heupel. And so I really like that. Plus, he's a Memphis guy. He's going to be able to recruit very, very well as well. Those are some of my main takeaways from Wednesday's offensive staff introductory press conference. Again, we will dive deeper in the coming days on each coach. I'll play a lot of audio and looking forward to that. One other note as we end our show here on a Thursday. Uh, I mentioned in Monday's show about Ty Simpson played some comments on uh, 3HL and 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. I played some of those comments on on Monday. He said he was going to commit on on Friday, which would be tomorrow. Uh, Earlier this week, he came out and tweeted due to his school being closed because of weather this week. He is going to push it back another week. So it's going to be next Friday right now for four-star top 100 player and quarterback Ty Simpson uh, between uh, Clemson, Alabama, and Tennessee when he will make his final call. That will do it for a very busy, busy episode of Locked on Vols. We recap the Tennessee basketball game from Wednesday, late, late, late Wednesday night. Caught up with David Oven. I appreciate him on a really nice article he wrote uh, for The Athletic on former Tennessee coach Butch Jones. And caught up with some of the highlights uh, here from a Wednesday press conference from the introductory side for the offensive staff. A whole lot more to get into. Tons and tons of more content on the way. This is the Locked on Vols podcast. Follow it on Twitter, at Locked on Vols. Follow me on Twitter, Eric Kane, at underscore Kaner. As always, guys, I really appreciate it. Can't wait to talk with you again tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Vols, a part of the Locked on Podcast Network. (laughs) 